Welcome back to the Bowling School Spotlight Podcast. As always, this is Mr. Manso, your computer science teacher, hoping this finds you and your family healthy and happy. Today, I present you the third installment of the Spotlight Read Aloud of The Wild Robot by New York Times bestselling author Peter Brown. In this episode, you will hear chapters 27 through 40 and find out how the opossum teaches Roz the skill of acting to survive and be a better mother to Bright Bill. Again, I'll give you another way to respond to the story at the end of the podcast, so listen all the way to the end. Gather your family around and listen together, or find a quiet spot for yourself as we continue following the adventures of the wild robot. Let's get started. The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. Copyright 2016 by Peter Brown. Dedication to the Robots of the Future. Chapter 27. The Gosling. Something was happening inside the goose egg. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap. Crunch. A tiny bill poked through the eggshell, peeped once, and then continued crunching away. The hole grew bigger and bigger, and then, like a robot breaking from a crate, the hatchling pulled himself out into the world. He lay quietly in his nest, with his eyes closed, surrounded by chips of broken shell. And when his eyes slowly winked open, the very first thing he saw was the robot looking back. Mama! Mama! peeped the gosling. I am not your mother, said the robot. Mama! Mama! I am not your mother. Food! Food! The gosling was hungry. Of course she was. So using her friendliest voice, Ra says, What would you like to eat, little darling? Food! was the only response. The hatchling was far too young to be helpful. Roz needed to find a grown goose, so she scooped up the nest with the gosling inside, placed it on her flat shoulder, and marched through the forest searching for geese. Chapter 28. The Old Goose. Ordinarily, the forest animals would have run away from the monster, but they were awfully curious why she was carrying a hatchling on her shoulder. And once Roz explained the situation, the animals actually tried to help. A frog pointed Roz up to the squirrels. A squirrel recommended that she speak with the magpies, and then a magpie sent them over to the beaver pond. The ground grew soggier, the grass grew taller, and soon the robot and the gosling were looking across a wide murky pond. Dragonflies buzzed through the reeds, turtles sunned themselves on a log, schools of small fish gathered in the shadows, and there, floating in the center of the pond, was an old gray goose. A very good morning to you, the robot's friendly voice boomed over the water. I have an adorable little gosling with me. The goose just stared. I am in great need of your assistance, said Roz. Actually, the gosling is in need of your assistance. The goose didn't move. Food, peeped the gosling. Food, food. That tiny voice was more than the old goose could bear, and she began gliding across the pond and squawking to the robot. What are you doing with that hungry hatchling? Where are his parents? There was a terrible accident, said Roz. It was my fault. This gosling is the only survivor. If there was a terrible accident, 
Why does your voice sound so cheerful? The goose flapped her wings. Are you sure you didn't eat his parents? I am sure I did not eat his parents, said Roz, returning to her normal voice. I do not eat anything, including parents. The goose squinted at the robot. Then she said, Do you know who his parents were? I do not know. Well, they must have belonged to one of the other flocks on the island, because nobody in my flock is missing. Will you take this gosling? I most certainly will not, squawked the goose. I can't take in every orphan I see. You say this is your fault? It seems to me that it's up to you to make things right. Mama, Mama, peeped the gosling. I have tried to tell him that I am not his mother, said the robot, but he does not understand. Well, you'll have to act like his mother if you want him to survive. There was that word again. Act. Very slowly, the robot was learning to act friendly. Maybe she could learn to act motherly as well. You do want him to survive, don't you? said the goose. Yes, I do want him to survive, said the robot, but I do not know how to act like a mother. Oh, it's nothing. You just have to provide the gosling with food and water and shelter. Make him feel loved, but don't pamper him too much. Keep him away from danger and make sure he learns to walk and talk and swim and fly and get along with the others and look after himself. That's really all there is to motherhood. The robot just stared. Mama, food, said the gosling. Now would probably be a good idea to feed your son, said the goose. Yes, of course, said the robot. What should I feed him? Give him some mashed up grass, and if a few insects get in there, all the better. Roz tore several blades of grass from the ground. She mashed them into a ball and then dropped the ball into the nest. The gosling shook his tail feathers and chewed his very first bites of food. By the way, my name is Loudwing, said the goose. Everyone already knows your name, Roz, but what's the gosling's name? I do not know, the robot looked at her adopted son. What is your name, gosling? He can't name himself, squawked Loudwing. And then with a loud burst of wing beats, the goose fluttered up from the pond and landed right on Roz's head. Water streamed down the robot's dusty body as Loudwing leaned over the nest. Oh dear, he certainly is a tiny thing, said Loudwing. He must be a runt. I'll warn you, Roz. Runts usually don't last very long. And with you for a mother, it'll take a miracle for him to survive. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. However, the gosling still deserves a name. Let's see here. His bill is an unusually bright color. It's actually quite lovely. If I were his mother, I'd call him Bright Bill. But you're his mother, so it's up to you. His name will be Bright Bill, said Roz as the goose fluttered back to the water. And we will live by this pond, where he can be around other geese. I will find us a sturdy tree nearby. You will do no such thing. The goose flapped her wings. A tree is no place for a gosling. Bright Bill needs to live on the ground like a normal goose. Loudwing sized up the robot. I suppose you two will need a rather large home. You'd better speak with Mr. Beaver. He can build anything. He's a little gruff at times, but if you're extra friendly, I'm sure he'll help you out. And if he gives you trouble, remind him that he owes me a favor. Chapter 29 The Beavers Every day, the beavers swam along their dam, inspecting and repairing it. The wall of wood and mud allowed only a trickle of water to pass through, and it had turned a narrow stream into a wide pond that many animals now called home. As Roz and Brightbill walked around the pond, they passed hundreds of chewed-up tree stumps, proof that the beavers needed a constant supply of wood, 
and this gave Roz an idea. The robot swung her flattened hand, and the sounds of chopping wood echoed across the water. They were soon replaced by the sounds of footsteps and shaking leaves as the robot carefully walked along the beaver dam with a gosling on her shoulder and a freshly cut tree in her hands. The beavers floated beside their lodge and stared at the bizarre sight with open mouths until Mr. Beaver slapped his broad tail on the water, which meant, Stop right there! The robot stopped. Hello, beavers. My name is Roz, and this is Brightville. Please do not be frightened. I am not dangerous. She held out the tree. I have brought you a gift. I thought perhaps you could use this in your beautiful dam. No thanks, said Mr. Beaver. I have a strict policy never to accept gifts from months. Don't be ridiculous, interrupted Mrs. Beaver. We can't let a perfectly good birch go to waste. I'm afraid I must insist, said Mr. Beaver. Mrs. Beaver turned to her husband. Remember how you asked me to point out when you're being stubborn and rude? Well, you're being stubborn and rude. Then she turned back to Roz. Thank you, monster. If you'd be so kind as to drop the tree in the water, we'll take it from there. I am not a monster. Roz tossed the tree like a twig. I am a robot. The tree smacked against the water and sent the beavers bobbing up and down. Just then, Bright Bill started peeping. Mama, hungry. So Roz dropped a ball of grass into the nest. The gosling thinks you're his mother, came a quiet voice. It was Paddler, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's son. His real mother is dead, said Roz, so I have adopted him. There was a brief silence. Then Paddler looked up at Roz and said, You're a very good robot to take care of Bright Bill. Mr. Beaver sighed, Yes, yes, that's very good of you, Roz, but I don't understand what any of this has to do with us. My son and I need a home, and Loudwing said you would help us build one. Of course she did, Mr. Beaver muttered to himself. Loudwing gets me out of one lousy jam, and I spend the rest of my days doing her favors. Mrs. Beaver glared at her husband. Sorry, he said, realizing he was being stubborn and rude again. Stay right there, Roz. We need to have a family meeting. The three beavers slipped under the water, and a moment later their muffled voices could be heard inside the lodge. The robot stood on the dam and patiently waited with her son. Mama, Mama. Yes, Bright Bill, I am trying to act like a good mother. A ripple, and Mr. Beaver's head appeared above the water. If you bring us four more trees, good healthy ones, maybe I'll have time to help you and the gosling. That is wonderful, said the robot. We will be right back. Chapter 30. The Nest. I've built my fair share of lodges over the years, Mr. Beaver stood at the water's edge, but I can't say I've ever built one for a robot and a gosling. So just what exactly do you need? We need a lodge big enough for us both, said Roz. It should be comfortable and safe, and it should be near the pond. How long do you plan on living in this lodge? I do not know. Then we better make sure it's strong and sturdy, Mr. Beaver stroked his whiskers as he thought. Do you plan on having friends over? The missus loves to entertain guests. I do not have any friends. No friends? Well, you seem pretty likable for a monster. I mean, a robot. But if you want my advice, you should grow yourself a garden. Your neighbors won't be able to resist fresh herbs and berries and flowers. Just you wait and see. So we'll make sure there's a place for a garden. And we'll give your lodge some extra space for all the friends you'll be hosting. The beaver winked. We also need to find a way to keep your lodge comfortable when it's cold outside. 
Our lodge is heated by our own bodies, but I think we'll have to find another way to heat yours. The beaver and the robot thought about heat for a while. The first thing that came to Roz's mind was the sun, but then she remembered the hot sparks she had felt while sliding down the mountain peak. I could heat our lodge with fire, she said. Mr. Beaver blinked his little eyes. I will need to experiment, Roz continued, but I think there is a way. You go right ahead, Roz, said the beaver, but would you try not to burn down the entire forest? Do not worry. I will be careful. Let's move on, Mr. Beaver sighed. The next order of business is to find a site for your lodge. That meadow across the water would be perfect, but the hares will have a fit if we try to build there. I think we should clear out some trees and build right in the forest, and I know just the place. The beaver took them along the water and up to a dense section of forest that jutted into the pond. It needs some work, said Mr. Beaver, trudging through the thick weeds, but this ought to do the job. Yes, this ought to do the job, said Roz in her friendliest voice. Job, said Brightbill. Mr. Beaver was incredibly skilled at taking down trees, but even he couldn't keep up with Roz's powerful chopping hands. So he let the robot do the hard work. He pointed out the trees and shrubs that needed to go, and Roz started hacking away. By sunset, they were standing in a newly cleared site, and they had more than enough wood to build the lodge. You did some fine work today, Roz, Mr. Beaver yawned. I'll return in the morning. It will pick up right where we left off. What would you like me to do, said the robot. Tonight? So you still feel like working, do you? Very good. Well, you can't start by digging out these tree stumps, and you can collect all those large flat stones over there. And you can smooth down this patch of dirt so we have a level place to build. That should keep you busy. The next morning, Mr. Beaver returned to find that Roz had been very busy indeed. All the tree stumps had been dug up and their holes filled in with dirt. Twenty large stones had been stacked and the ground was now perfectly level. But what most astonished Mr. Beaver was that Roz and Brightbill were huddled around a small crackling campfire. Mr. Beaver moved his lips, but no words came out. Bright Bill was cold last night, said Roz, so I taught myself how to make a fire. But, but, but how? I discovered that when I strike these two stones together, they create sparks like this. I directed sparks onto dry leaves and wood until they ignited. Once I had a fire, it was easy to keep it going. And if I need to put it out, I can just add water. Mr. Beaver sat and warmed his paws. I've never seen fire in such a neat little bundle. He stared into the flames. I've only seen it blazing through the forest, burning everything in its path. But this is marvelous! He took another minute to enjoy the warmth. Then he and the robot got back to work. Mr. Beaver asked Roz to dig a trench here, to place large stones there, to arrange logs this way, to smear mud that way. Birds and squirrels perched in the trees and watched the new lodge take shape. It resembled the beaver lodge, but it was larger a great dome of wood and mud and leaves. A simple opening in the wall served as the entrance, and the door was nothing more than a heavy stone that the robot could slide out of the way. Inside, the lodge was one big round room. The arched ceiling was high enough that Roz could stand upright. A fire pit was set into the center of the floor, and a mesh of thin branches above acted as a vent. Long stones lined the interior walls like benches and were covered with thick cushions of moss. There was even a hole for storing food and water for Brightbill. You've got yourself a beautiful pond view property, said Mr. Beaver. What are you going to name it? 
I do not understand why a beautiful lodge like this deserves a name. We call our lodge Streamcatcher. The robot's computer brain didn't take long. The lodge is for Brightbill. Brightbill is a bird. Birds live in nests. Could we call this lodge the nest? Huzzah! squeaked the beaver. The nest is a fine name for your lodge. Nest! Nest! laughed Brightbill. They stood outside the nest and admired their handiwork until Mr. Beaver's belly began to grumble. That sound meat, it's time for me to go get dinner. Thank you very much for your help, said Roz. We could not have done this without you. You're quite welcome, said Mr. Beaver, smiling. For your guardian, you'll want to speak with Tawny, the doe who lives over the hill. She'll know just what to do. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have to hurry home before Paddler eats all the best leaves. Enjoy your first night in the nest! Chapter 31 The First Night The stars were out. A fire was crackling in the fire pit. Roz and Brightbill were settling into their first night in their new home. This lodge is where we will live from now on. The robot plucked her son from his little woven nest and placed him on the floor. I hope you like it. The gosling did like it. He liked that it was big and warm and peaceful, and he liked knowing that the forest and the pond were just outside. He waddled around, peeping to himself and exploring every little corner of the lodge until it was time for bed. His mother carefully laid him on a soft cushion of moss, but he didn't want to sleep there, so she put him back in his little nest, but he didn't want to sleep there either. Bright Bill looked up and said, Mama, sit. Ra sat down. Then he said, Mama, hold. Roz held him. The robot's body may have been hard and mechanical, but it was also strong and safe. The gosling felt loved. His eyes slowly winked closed, and he spent the whole night quietly sleeping in his mother's arms. Chapter 32 The Deer the deer family did not run from the sound of snapping twigs and crunching leaves. They had heard all about Roz and Brightbill, and they knew there was nothing to fear. Crown Point stood before his doe and his three spotted fawns, and the family watched as the robot approached with the gosling on her shoulder. Hello, dear. My name is Roz, and this is Brightbill. We are looking for a doe named Tawny. Crown Point moved aside, and the doe silently stepped forward. Mr. Beaver helped us build a lodge said Roz, and he thought you might help us grow a garden. Mr. Beaver helped you? came Tawny's gentle voice. You must have done something for the beavers. I brought them freshly cut trees, said Roz. Tawny looked at Crown Point, and the buck slowly nodded. I will help you grow a garden, said the doe to the robot, if you will let my family eat from it. The robot nodded in agreement, and then she quietly led Tawny back to the nest. Chapter 33. The Garden. After inspecting the grounds, Tawny asked Roz to remove all the dried brambles and weeds and leaves from the garden area. She asked her burrowing friends, the moles and the groundhogs, to dig through the dirt and loosen the soil. And then she asked all the neighbors to do something rather peculiar. Please leave your droppings around the nest. The more droppings, the richer the soil, the healthier the garden. As you can imagine, Tawny's request got everyone's attention. The place was soon crawling with woodland creatures curious to hear more about the garden project. And just like that, the robot was meeting her neighbors, 
The plan to help her make friends was already starting to work. There was a festive feeling around the nest that day. Animals were coming and going and chatting and laughing. After some pleasant conversation, each neighbor would choose their spot, leave their droppings, and be on their way, and always with a smile. We're happy to help, said two smiling weasels after finishing up their business. It was our pleasure, said a flock of smiling sparrows before they flew away. I shouldn't be much longer now, said a smiling turtle as he slowly made his contribution. As all this was going on, Roz walked around and thanked everyone. I am not capable of defecating, she explained, so your droppings are most appreciated. Once the grounds were fertilized, it was time for the plants. Tawny brought Roz and Brightbill out to a lush meadow. The robot sank her fingers into the ground and felt the spongy layer of roots below the grass. Slowly, carefully, she rolled up wide strips of sod, exposing the dark, wormy soil. She carried the rolls back to the nest and spread them out to make a patchy lawn. Then she transplanted clumps of wildflowers and clovers and berries and shrubs and herbs until the nest was surrounded by a scraggly collection of plants. It's not much to look at now, said Tawny, but the grass will grow into these gaps and the flowers and bushes should perk up in a few days. I'll return soon to make sure it's all taking root. Before long, this will be a lovely wild garden. Chapter 34. The Mother. Like most goslings, Brightbill followed his mother everywhere. He was a slow, tottering little thing, but Roz was rarely in a hurry, and together they loved meandering along the forest paths and around the banks of the pond. However, they spent most of their time right in their own garden. You see, the garden was no longer scraggly. Thanks to the robot's careful attention, it was now bursting with colors and scents and flavors, Clearly, Roz was designed to work with plants. Oh, Roz, you've been busy, said Tawny as her family grazed on the wonderland of growing things. This garden is glorious. You'll be seeing quite a lot of us around here. Tawny meant what she said. Each morning around daybreak, Roz and Brightbill would hear quiet footsteps outside the nest, and there would be Tawny and Crownpoint and their fawns, Willow, Thistle, and Brook, happily nibbling on the garden. The deer weren't the only regular visitors. The beavers became quite fond of gnawing on a certain hardy shrub at the edge of the garden. Dig down, the old groundhog, popped up to munch on berries. Broadfoot, the giant bull moose, came by to chew on tree shoots. And of course, bees and butterflies were there every day, happily floating through the flowers. There always seemed to be friendly animals hanging around the garden. It was amazing how differently everyone treated Roz these days. Animals who once ran from the robot in fear now stopped by the nest just to spend time with her. The neighbors smiled and waved whenever Roz and Brightbill wandered past. And at the dawn truce, the other mothers were eager to share their parenting advice. Make sure Brightbill gets plenty of rest. A tired gosling is a cranky gosling. When the wind starts blowing from the north, you must immediately get Brightbill to safety. North winds always bring bad weather. You'll never be the perfect mother, so just do the best you can. All Brightbill really needs is to know you're doing your best. No gosling ever had a more attentive mother. Roz was always there, ready to answer her son's questions, or to play with him, or to rock him to sleep, or to whisk him away from danger. With a computer brain packed full of parenting advice and the lessons she was learning on her own, 
the robot was actually becoming an excellent mother. Chapter 35. The First Swim. Good afternoon, you two, said Loudwing as she waddled into the garden. Remember me, Brightbill? Loudwing, Loudwing. Very good, the old goose giggled. Now, Roz, do you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is swimming day, the day when all the parents take their goslings out on the pond for the first time. And you simply must bring Brightbill. Swim, swim, said the gosling, shaking his tail feathers. Bright Bill can go, said Roz, but I cannot swim. I cannot go on the pond with him. I will not be able to protect him. Who'd have thought a big thing like you would be afraid of a little water? Loudwing laughed. Well, don't you worry about Bright Bill. He'll be safe in the flock. And he's going to have so much fun swimming with the other goslings. We begin at sunrise, so don't be late. See you in the morning. And with that, the goose plopped into the water and glided away. Swim, swim, said the gossling. Yes, Brightbill, said the robot, staring at the pond. Swim, swim. Early the next morning, peeps and honks and splashes began echoing across the calm water. Roz and Brightbill followed a trail through the fog and over to a beach that was crawling with fluffy goslings and proud parents. Roz took a few steps into the water, and her survival instincts immediately flared up. The robot's computer brain knew that if water got inside her body, it could do serious damage. And so as the other parents began swimming across the pond, Roz stood safely in the shallows and watched. Brightbill ran up and down the beach with the other goslings, peeping and laughing and pretending to be afraid of the tiny waves. When one wave finally pulled him in, he felt his body floating on top of the water. A big smile appeared on the gosling's face. Clearly, Brightbill was designed to swim. Very good, Brightbill, said Loudwing as she floated past. You're a natural. Yes, Brightbill, you are a natural, said Roz, trying to sound like a good mother. Loudwing rounded up all the goslings and gave them a quick swimming lesson. Remember, everyone, paddle your feet evenly to swim in a straight line. Paddle with your right foot to go left and paddle with your left foot to go right. Try it out and join the rest of us when you're ready. Happy swimming day! Loudwing and the other adult geese calmly glided toward the center of the pond. A jumble of goslings tried to keep up with them. The youngsters jostled and splashed and peeped with excitement, and gradually they paddled in the direction of their parents. Only Brightbill lagged behind. Mama, swim! Roz pointed to the flock. I cannot swim. Go have fun with the other geese. You will be safe with them. The gosling took a deep breath. Then he shook his tail feathers and paddled his feet and set out on his very first swim. He drifted too far to the left. Then he drifted too far to the right. But his feet just kept paddling until he caught up to the other goslings. Roz spent the morning watching her son swim around and around the pond. And as she watched him, she felt something like gratitude. Thanks to Brightbill, the robot now had friends and shelter and help. Thanks to Brightbill, the robot had become better at surviving. In a way, Roz needed Brightbill as much as Brightbill needed Roz, which was precisely why she felt such concern when the mood on the pond suddenly changed. One moment, everything was tranquil, and the next moment, the geese were in a panic. Something was violently sloshing through the group. It was Rockmouth, the giant toothy pike. The fish had been a problem in the pond for as long as anyone could remember, but he'd never attacked goslings before. All the parents immediately went to protect their young. 
all the parents except Roz. The robot could only stand in the shallows and watch as her son left the other geese behind and desperately swam toward his mother. Swim to me, Brightbill, quickly! The gosling kicked as fast as he could, but alone on the water he made an easy target. The pond rippled as rock mouths splashed below the surface. Mama, help! squeaked Brightbill. The robot was terribly conflicted. Part of her knew she had to help her son, but another part knew she had to stay out of deep water. Her body lurched forward and then backward again and again as she struggled to make a decision. And then Loudwing came to the rescue. Rockmouth, don't you dare harm that little darling! The old goose fluttered over and splashed down right on top of the fish. Leave him alone! She pecked and kicked and beat her wings against the fish until he surrendered to the murky depths of the pond. Loudwing escorted Brightbill back to the beach, and a minute later the gosling was in his mother's arms, safe and sound. Rockmouth isn't as dangerous as he seems, said the goose out of breath, but I think that's enough swimming for one day. Chapter 36 The Gosling Grows Brightbill soon forgot about the incident with Rockmouth, and he spent his mornings cruising around the pond with the other goslings. He was becoming a great little swimmer. He was also becoming a great little speaker. Hello, my name is Brightbill, he said to anyone who would listen. The gosling was small for his age, and he always would be, but he was growing bigger and stronger by the day. His increasing size was matched by his increasing appetite. He gobbled down grass and berries and nuts and leaves. Sometimes he'd snack on little insects. If it was edible, Brightbill would eat it. And even if it wasn't edible, he might eat it anyway. Roz felt something like fright the time she saw Brightbill swallowing pebbles on the beach. She was holding him upside down, hoping the pebbles would fall out of his mouth when Loudwing stepped in. Put the gosling down, said the goose with a laugh. It's perfectly natural for Brightbill to eat a few pebbles. They'll help him digest his food, but not too many, okay, little one? Like most youngsters, Brightbill was incredibly curious. He explored the garden and the pond and the forest floor and he would occasionally explore neighboring homes. He'd wander down some hole in the ground and say to whoever was there, Hello, my name is Brightbill. Then a long robot arm would reach in and pull the gosling back outside. Sorry to bother you, Roz would say in her friendliest voice. The mother and son slipped into a good nighttime routine. While the gosling slept, the robot might tend the fire if it was cool out or gently fan it if it was warm. If he woke up hungry or thirsty, Roz brought him food or water. And whenever he had nightmares, she was always there to rock him back to sleep. Chapter 37 The Squirrel A small squirrel was scurrying through the garden. Brightbill had never seen her before. He peered out from the nest and watched her bounce across the lawn. After a minute of spying, the gosling shook his tail feathers and waddled outside. Hello, my name is Brightbill. The squirrel froze. Then she slowly turned around, and then she started to talk. Hi, Brightbill. My name is Chitchat, and I'm a twelve-and-a-half-week-old squirrel, and I'm new around here, and your home is really big and rounded. I don't understand why smoke sometimes comes out of it. Listener, I'm not quite sure how Chitchat got enough air into her lungs to go on like that, and I'm not quite sure how Brightbill had the patience to listen. But he stood there and politely nodded as Chit-Chat rambled on and on and on. And sometimes I see you waddling behind your funny-looking mother and you seem so nice that I thought I'd come down and introduce myself. But now I'm nervous and I'm talking too much and my name is Chit-Chat, I think. I said that already. 
there was a pleasant silence. Brightbill stood on one foot for a moment. Then the gosling took a deep breath and said, It's very nice to meet you, Chit-Chat. I don't think you talk too much. I think you talk just enough, and I like you, so let's be friends. A big smile appeared on the squirrel's tiny face. For once, Chit-Chat was speechless. Chapter 38. The New Friendship Chit-Chat wasn't speechless for long. She'd already been alive for a whole twelve and a half weeks, and she wanted to tell Brightbill about every exciting thing, and every boring thing, that had ever happened to her. And so, as the new friends played and explored and ate together, the squirrel shared her stories. I was born on the other side of the hill, and then last week I decided I was ready to build my first tray, which is what you call a squirrel nest, and now I live in that tree with that weird bump in its trunk, she said while the other two of them kicked pebbles into the pond. One time a weasel chased me through the treetops until he missed a branch and fell all the way down and crashed into a bush and walked away all wobbly, and he never bothered me again, she said while the two of them crawled through a hollow log. Ooh, gross, I saw you eat that ant one time. I ate a gnat by accident and I didn't like it at all. I mostly eat acorns and bark and tree buds and sometimes the yummy berries that grow in your garden, she said while the two of them took a snack break. But Chit Chat was as good a listener as she was a talker. And whenever it was Brightbill's turn to speak, she'd keep quiet and hang on his every word. Do you know who enjoyed the conversations most of all? Our robot, Roz. The protective mother was never far away, and she felt something like amusement at the silly conversations she overheard. And she felt something like happiness that her son had made such a good friend. Chapter 39. The First Flight. Brightbill has spent his entire life by the pond, and he was becoming very curious about what lay beyond his neighborhood. So one day his mother said to him, let us go for a walk and I will show you more water than you can possibly imagine. Roz placed the gosling on her flat shoulder and the two of them set off across the island. They marched out of the forest, crossed the great meadow, and climbed uphill until they were at the top of the island's western ridge. Before them was a grassy slope that descended all the way to the dark, choppy waves that surrounded the island. "'That is a lot of water,' said the wide-eyed gosling. "'I'm a good swimmer, but I'm not good enough to swim across that pond.' "'That is not a pond,' said the robot. "'That is an ocean. I doubt any bird could swim across an ocean.' Waves rolled in from the horizon. Seagulls circled above the shore. A steady breeze blew up the slope. Brightbill's yellow fluff had recently changed over to a coat of silky brown feathers, and he spread his feathery wings into the breeze, and then, Mama, look! For the briefest of moments, the wind lifted Brightbill off the ground, but he quickly tipped backward and thumped into the soft grass. I was flying! he squeaked. That was not flying, said Roz, looking back at her upside-down son. Well, I was almost flying. I'm going to try again. I have observed many birds in flight, said Roz. Sometimes they flap their wings quickly, and other times they fly without flapping at all. They spread their wings and soar on the wind. So I was soaring, said Brightbill. Almost. There, look at that soaring seagull. It seems like she is not doing anything, but if you look closer, you will notice that she is making small adjustments with her wings and tail. I think you should try adjusting your wings in the wind like her. Brightbill hopped onto a rock and opened his wings wide. The wind is pushing me backward. Change the angle of your wings, said his mother. Let us see what happens when they slice through the air. Brightbill slowly angled his wings downward. 
The more he turned them, the less the wind pushed him backward, and just as his wings leveled off, Mama, look! He squeaked as his feet left the ground. I'm soaring! I'm soaring! He hovered there for a second, rising a little higher than before, and then he sailed backward into the soft grass again. The gosling kept hopping onto the rock and kept riding the wind and kept tumbling into the grass until he started to find his wings. With each attempt, he floated a little higher and a little longer. And finally, Brightbill really did soar. He lifted high into the air and hung there, floating. He turned his wings down and felt himself drop. He wiggled his tail feathers and felt himself veering back and forth. I'm a natural, he squeaked. You are doing very well, said Roz, but you need to keep practicing. And so they spent the afternoon practicing up on the ridge. Once Brightbill was comfortable soaring, he tried flapping his wings. He flapped high into the air. He flapped in straight lines. He flapped around and around in circles. A big smile appeared on the gosling's face. Clearly, Brightbill was designed to fly. I'm flying, Mama. I'm really flying. You are flying, said the robot. Very good. Brightbill was now a real flyer, but all that flying had worn him out. He lowered himself toward the ground and tumbled into the grass one last time. His landing still needed some work. Roz placed Brightbill on her shoulder and headed back to the nest. I can't believe I can fly now, Mama, said Brightbill in his sleeping voice. I just wish, I just wish you could fly with me. And then the gosling's words were replaced by his quiet, steady breathing. Chapter 40. The Ship Brightbill was a flying fanatic, and his favorite place to fly was up on the grassy ridge. The robot and the gosling liked to spend afternoons up there working on the finer points of flying, and it was on one such afternoon that they noticed something mysterious far out at sea. Brightbill spiraled down to his mother, flopped onto the grass, and pointed to the horizon. Mama, what is that thing? Roz's computer brain found the right words. That is a ship. What's a ship? A ship is a large vessel used for ocean transport. Brightbill's face scrunched up with confusion. Used by who? I do not know. It was the first ship either of them had ever laid eyes on. From that distance, it looked as though it were moving slowly, but it was actually racing through the waves. From that distance, it looked as though it were small, but it was actually one of the largest ships ever built. The robot and the gosling watched it crawl across the ocean until it finally disappeared to the south. Where had the ship come from? Where was it going? Who was on board? Roz and Brightbill had many questions, but no answers. Roz and Brightbill have a lot of questions about the ship at the end of chapter 40. Where had the ship come from? Where was it going? Who was on board? Make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Spotlight Read Aloud of The Wild Robot to find out what happens as technology and nature continue to collide. Want to share your thoughts and ideas about the story? Here's another way to participate after listening to episode three. I've created another topic in the Wild Robot Read Aloud Flipgrid. This time the question comes from chapter 26, The Performer, and it is... Roz learns how the opossum uses acting to help it survive. How does acting help Roz become a mother to Brightbill? 
You can find the link to the Flipgrid on Boland's Facebook page and on Class Dojo. Also, don't forget to visit the Padlet where you can share your drawings of Roz in the wilderness. Again, you'll find that link on the Facebook page and Class Dojo as well. If you have trouble linking to any of that, please again reach out to me at Manso D M A N S E A U D at SpringfieldPublicSchools.com or post a message to Class Dojo or on Facebook and I'll help you any way I can. Stay tuned for the Wild Robot Part 4 coming later this week. Until then, this is Mr. Manso asking you to take care of yourself and be kind to each other. And of course, go wash your hands. Bye.